0: be preaching today. So Jamie, come on up. Uh, for, so for the ki- for the angel tree deliveries, obviously that is a pre-recorded video and uh, we will be doing uh, socially distanced deliveries with masks and I don't know exactly how it's going to work, but we're going to make it safe. So uh, that's going to be happening. The The final announcement, which I did forget, which the oldest among us reminded me of... Is that, (laughs) hey, would you call it what we want? There we go. Uh, Is that the Kingdom Builders will start soon. uh, December 3rd, I believe, is the launch date for our Kingdom Builders offering. For those of you who attend Redeeming Love regularly, you know that this is our once a year over and above offering that we take. Uh, We like to take it during the Christmas time because there are extra needs always associated at this time. And so we use that money for benevolence. Uh, we help out those who are in need uh, at this time of year. Uh, we're expecting greater need this year than, than in previous years. So we know that you guys will continue to be generous. Look for the email this week, Kingdom Builders Offering. It'll be going out. We'll be taking that soon. Jamie Medic will be preaching today. Uh, he's a lot like me. He is my son. He, people say we look alike. I think he's taller than me. I think I'm better looking. But that's okay, only kidding. He looks just like me, We're, we look the same. Anyways, anyways, uh, he's going to college for the exact same degree that I was going for. Uh, so he's taken some of the same Bible courses that I took. He's going for the same degree. He wants to do the same thing that I'm doing, which is awesome. Uh, He's going to read, I'm going to give away a little bit. He's going to read a little bit more out of the NRSV, whereas I read from the New King James. So there are differences among us. And so NRSV is like the NASB, and the NRSV and the NASB are more scholastic versions of the Bible. guys are laughing. That's the joy that we spoke about last week, just breaking out. And so, because this isn't funny stuff. I'm just telling you the news. I'm giving you the news, and you're laughing. NRSV. NASB, these are the ones that are highly used in, uh, right, master's programs, doctoral programs, you know, people that are more theologians type use this. It was too late for me to get on board with NASB by the time I took college because I was already, had everything memorized out of New King James and some out of NIV and some out of Amplified, so I'm already into Matt's version. Pastor Tom preached Tom's version. I've got Matt's version. It's all good. It's all good. Anyways... You're going to be thrilled. You're going to be blessed, Father. In Jesus' name, I thank you for Jamie. I thank you for the gift of God that's upon him. And God, I pray your blessing this morning. I, God, let flow through him as he speaks this morning. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. And church, can you hear me? the yeah. audio, perfect, beautiful.
0: Uh, as uh, Pastor was running through all the. the...
1: Translations of the Bible. Uh, it's not important as to which translation you have, only that you have a Bible uh, this morning. Uh, the scripture is going to be up on the, uh, up on the screen, and, and the translations don't really matter as long as we're not you know, out there creating our own translations. And um, so, as always, it's such an honor to be up here, um, being able to share with you guys. Um, we're in the middle of our um, scripture possible series. And, um, and I just want to share a little bit about this series before um, I jump in to my message. And um, because a great deal of prayer um, and consideration goes into um, th- these uh, sermon series. This isn't something that we just like, you know, gather on the table and just start spitting ideas and see what sticks. Like a great deal of prayer goes into these sermon series. And, and Pastor Matt spends a great deal of time in, in prayer and away and, and discovering what God has for the church. And what's really incredible is that most of these sermons' ideas, most of the sermon series, they actually come a year in advance. And so, like most of twenty twenty one is already mapped out. And so, it's kind of um, kind of funny to see how sometimes what Pastor Matt puts on the calendar is kind of becomes very relevant for that year in what we experience. And uh, I'm not saying that Pastor Matt is, is, is fortune telling over here, but I do believe that uh, he clearly hears from God. Amen. And so uh, we're in the scripture possible. And uh, Pastor Matt came to me and said, hey, I want you to share a, a, a message in our scripture possible series. I said, fantastic. What's this about? And he's like, we're going to talk about the hardest scriptures in Bible, in the Bible. So Pastor Matt brought a, a, a very encouraging message last week uh, about pure joy, how we can maintain joy in trials. And as a perfect, like that's extremely difficult. Like the last thing I want to do is be overcome with joy um, when things get difficult. But then Pastor Matt broke it down and and explained to us that it's not so much the trial that's exciting, but it's what's after the trial that we should find joy in. And uh, he really opened our eyes to that last week, and so super encouraged. Well, in this morning, I hope um, to be able to dive into this uh, this parable that Jesus shared with us in Matthew 20. And for me, I, I believe that the parables are some of the most difficult texts we can read in all of Scripture. And, uh, and so, uh, but before we jump into this Matthew 20 scripture, let's just, let's just all bow our heads and just uh, pray over this message. So, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this morning, we thank you for this message. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that it was given to us as a gift, as a message, as, as a guide, Lord, to uh, instruct us in the way that you have commanded us to live. Uh, Lord, this morning, open our hearts, open our minds to what you have for us to hear. In your name we pray, everybody said, amen, amen. amen. So before we jump right into Matthew 20, um, I want to read this memoir. Um, it, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a, an overlook of this past year. Um, which when, it, when we talk about, you know, Scripture Impossible, you know, what are the most difficult scriptures in the Bible, you know, the first thing popped in my mind, mind was, okay, where's the scripture that tells us how to live out 2020? Um, and so I actually stumbled upon this memoir, and it's about 2020. Um, it's someone's perspective of it, and, um, and I'd love to read it with you guys because I think it's going to add a great deal of context to the parable that we're going to read in Matthew 20. And so the, um, it says this. It says, the year is 2020, early January. 2019 had just finished, and I had recently experienced one of my most profitable years to date. Through personal hard work and discipline, I became a manager of a Fortune 500 company, and now at such a young age, I was on my way to purchasing my first home and completing my degree. Meanwhile, 2020 ended with a bang. As I expected, exciting times were ahead of me for 2020. Unfortunately, shortly into the new year, tragedy struck, pandemic Level threats strike, and millions of people lose their jobs, homes, security, well-being, and some even their lives. Luckily, because of my position, my job remained safe and secure as my 40-hour work week became 60, but with no additional pay or raises to my yearly salary. Weeks into the pandemic, the stimulus help arrived and started taking care of those who remained jobless and hopeless. I quickly found out that those that were being helped were making virtually the same amount of money that I was making, but without the long 60-hour work week. Envy and bitterness grew within me. I said to myself, how can this be? This isn't fair. I should be making even more then. It seemed that I quickly forgot the blessings in my own life as I became more fixated on the blessings others found themselves in. And this morning we find ourselves in Matthew 20, where they seemingly similar situation. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, I'd love it if you guys would open up to Matthew 20 verse 1. If not, it'll be up on the screens for you. And it says this, it says, "'For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace.' And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. And so they went. And when he came out again, about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? And they said to him, because no one has hired us. And then he said to them, you also go into the vineyard. And this morning, my message is entitled, The Kingdom of Heaven. You see it there on your Engage card. And I want to add in a disclaimer before we go any further in this parable. This parable is not about money. And so let's just get that out of the way. This is not about money. And so when we go through this parable, and as we discover the truths that are hidden in it, don't run, your, don't run this through the filter of money, because it's not involved. This is about, this is about something greater that we're going to get into, and I don't want don't to ruin all the secrets just yet. But in this, in this parable seeing this pattern of the landowner and he wakes up and he heads on into the marketplace and he's looking for people. He's looking for specific people. He's looking for people who are hanging out, kind of waiting around, people who are standing around idle, as the script says, people who are essentially jobless because they should be doing their job if, if they had a job, people who are without purpose. And so he's looking for people who are without purpose. And I don't know where everyone in this room might be. I don't know what 2020, uh, you know, how it changed your circumstances. I don't, I, I'm not going to assume that anyone is um, in, in, a, in a specific season in life, but I can imagine there are some of us here today who are finding ourselves in a, in a somewhat similar situation. We're, we're in this waiting season. We feel and we identify with these laborers who are kind of, they're, they're waiting around in the marketplace. And, and I, I want to say that this can, this can be discouraging, you know, this can be struggling for some of us as we struggle to, to figure out who, are, who we are, as we try to figure out what our identity is moving forward, we, as we begin to struggle with what our purpose may be. And church, I'm, I'm here to, to tell you this morning that this is, this is not necessarily to our own fault. You know, under circumstances, things happen, things can change. And I can honestly say from my experience that I have been in those same, those same shoes, whether I've seen it in 2020 or whether I saw it five years ago, I've, I've been in those same shoes. I've been in that moment of where I felt that I didn't know who I was. I didn't know, you know what my direction would, would, where it would go in life, what I'm going to do. And, and there was even a time in my life where I thought I had a purpose all planned out. I thought I had everything mapped out of what my next five years and what my next 10 years and what it's all going to look like and how it's all going to be mapped out. And then the table sh- and then everything that I had planned is no longer even, even possible. And so sometimes our, our plans change and our, we feel that our purpose becomes redefined. And so church, I have, I have been in that waiting season. I'm here to tell you that it, it is okay for us to be there. Don't be discouraged about being in the waiting season. Throughout all of scripture, we see men and women all throughout, all throughout the Bible waiting on God. We see, we see Moses and he was waiting for direction. We see Samuel. He was waiting to hear the voice of God. And we even, see, we even see King David, one of the greatest kings over all of Israel. We see King David at a point in his life before he was king. He was running and fleeing for his life, lost without direction. And then he finds himself in a cave hiding out, waiting. But David doesn't just wait here, but he waits on God. He begins to wait on God. He begins to, to seek out God. And, and he writes this incredible, this incredible chapter in Psalms. And he writes in Psalm 57, he says, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. Amen. See, it, wasn't, it was in the waiting season that David was reminded that it was God who holds his purpose. It wasn't the circumstances that David found himself in. David didn't discover his purpose because he was hiding off in a cave. Similarly, we see the laborers. The laborers didn't discover their purpose because they were hanging out in a marketplace. But what David did was he made sure that he was available to a purpose. He knew who held his purpose, he knew who held the promises to his purpose. And so he decided that I'm going to put myself in that position, I'm going to put myself in the presence of God. And so, church. The laborers also knew that in, where they were going to get their purpose was going to be in the marketplace. And so we need to be waiting where we are making ourselves available to our purpose. We need to be actively waiting. We need to be like King David just as we had just talked about in Psalms as he's running for his life. He's feeling afraid, but then he remembers, he remembers God. And, and if we're in that place where we're feeling lost or without direction, regardless of our situation— we need to wait on God because he holds the fulfillment of our, prop, of our purpose. Amen? Listen, it is only God who knows the purpose that you will live out that is going to make you feel that you have walked in fulfillment. It is only God who has the answer to our true potential. David recognized this when he was in a cave. When we see our story here, Right. We see the, the laborers and they're hanging out in the marketplace. Right. its Parables are funny because they're kind of like movies, they're kind of like stories. And the marketplace is this, this place where everyone who went to the marketplace got a purpose. You know what I mean? And every time that we find somebody in the marketplace, every time that the laborer, the landowner, went to the marketplace, he was able to give somebody a purpose. And so obviously this is, this is a fabricated fictional story that Jesus is telling. But this marketplace is a place where purposes are either this is, the marketplace is a place where either you go in the story to find people who need a job or you go if you need a job. And so the marketplace is where we go to find our purpose. And so in the story, if we take that story, we relate to our lives that we need to go to the place where we are going to find our purpose. And that's in the presence of God. It's waiting on his word. It's being active in the waiting season because it's okay to be in the waiting season as long as we're not waiting around. See, if we're waiting around, then we're just simply running. And we could be like David, running until we get to a place where we then wait on God. And so, church, we don't want to find ourselves running during the waiting season. We want to find ourselves actively waiting on God, waiting His Word, reading His promises. The Bible is full of His promises. We just read one in Psalms, full of promises that lead us to our purpose. Church, the secret to unlocking our purpose sometimes is waiting on the one who holds the answer. Amen? Amen? Come on, let's just keep on reading here we continue in Matthew 20. I'm going to continue in verse eight. It says, when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now, when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner saying, these last worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give this last the same that I give to you. Am I not allowed to do with what I choose, with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? Church, we need to embrace generosity. Generosity. And let me say this, we cannot, in fact, church, do not let others' generosity limit the way you view your blessing. Come on, on. we just sang an incredible song this morning. Ariana was singing these words over us and she was singing a blessing over us. And, and we can get caught up in, we can be in this moment, this incredible moment where the Spirit is in this room and we're surrounded by brothers and sisters in Christ and being like, yes, Lord, yes, that blessing over my family, blessing over my kids, blessing over my kids' kids. And then we can walk out those doors and then immediately see some, somebody else getting something, getting a blessing in their own life and then being completely filled with envy. And so church, so often we can find ourselves in a place where because we are fixated on what somebody else is receiving, we forget that we have already received something. Amen. So the laborers got so caught up in the fact that the landowner made everyone equal in regards to pay, that the laborers who worked all day that they forgot that they had previously been blessed themselves. So they forgot that when they started, when this chapter started, merely 15, wait, wait, 12 verses, 12, 12 verses ago, all of those laborers didn't have a job. They didn't have a purpose. They were going home with no pay. They didn't have a reward. They didn't have any type of blessing. And because they were so fixated on the fact that these guys were getting equal pay, that they missed out on the fact that they themselves had received a blessing. See, church here is an Here's an opportunity where, where these laborers, they should be rejoicing that the workers who showed up at the end discovered their purpose. We should be excited about people who discover their purpose. We should be excited about people who get that promotion. We should be excited and rejoice in other people's celebrations. Amen? Yeah. But no, instead instead we find ourselves in a situation where we feel we deserve more because you know, we stuck it out longer but what does this look like in the kingdom of heaven? Does Jesus love us more because we were simply saved longer or because we did more for the kingdom of heaven or because we, we went to more church services than the guy who sat next to me? Do we, does Jesus love us more? No, absolutely not. That's ridiculous, Jamie. Okay, so then maybe it's the flip side. You know, maybe there's only a limit of how much God can love you. And like, if you don't meet the requirements, then like, you're hap- like you get less like we die, go to heaven, and God's like, well, you know, you, we found Jesus in the end of your life. And so, you know, 9 to 5, you know, Monday through Friday, you're going to spend it in hell. And then on weekends, holidays, and at night, you're going to come and hang out with us in heaven. Like, no, that doesn't, that doesn't happen either. It's not this give or take. All who believe in Christ have eternal life. Amen. It doesn't matter if you discover that in the beginning of your life or at the end. That's the rejoicing moment there. That's the mindset of heaven, Come on, this is a victory for the kingdom of heaven. 1 Corinthians twelve twenty five says this, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So then why is it that sometimes when God provides for a brother and sister, answers a prayer, or blesses them in some way, that the last thing that comes to our mind is to rejoice? why do we struggle so hard to rejoice? We see someone get a promotion, like, man, come on, how come that wasn't my promotion? You know, we see somebody get a new car, and our thought process is, I bet they took a loan out on that, that was pretty expensive. We see somebody announce a pregnancy, they're, they're having a baby, and like, our thought isn't like, yeah, you know, congrats, like, no, our thought is like, man, I hope they don't like for the next couple of years. You're like, why do we do this to ourselves? Why do we always think of the, the negative, the negative instances of how this could, this could be bad for, this is, this is no fun. This is no fun at all, you know? Like, why do we do this to ourselves and go around through life just saying, like, well, they must be doing this, or they must be doing that, and, and like, they only got that because this and that. Well, you can think of all the negatives of owning that home. You know, you got to clean it, and you got to wash it. You got No, like, why do we do that? You know, like, why can't we just celebrate in God's blessings yeah. for others? So, sure, church, we, we, att- we, may, we may attend the celebration. We may write the birthday card. We may put on a smile in the face of good news, but in the depths of our heart, we're we're screaming at ourselves saying like, "Man, why couldn't that be me?" Like, "Man, I deserve that." And we don't we don't rejoice at what God is doing. Instead, we compare our lives to theirs and we find our's lacking. Church, the battle here is envy versus contentment. And the true heart of envy is trying to find contentment outside of Christ. And I'm, I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to, to, to give you a bit of information this morning that we cannot find and we cannot search for our contentment outside of Christ. We cannot put our hope in something other than God. We cannot place our identity. We cannot place our purpose. We cannot place anything in something that was man-made. Church, if it's, if it's man-made, it's going to fall apart. If it's man-made, then it means that God didn't make it. If it's man-made, it means that it's not God-made. And so if it's man-made, we can't, we can't have any part of it in our identity. Just If it's man-made, pack it all up, put it in a box, put a label on it, call it trash. And, and Paul does this. He does this in Philippians 3. He literally calls it garbage. He goes, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. It is only in Christ where we find fulfillment in our meaning and our purpose. Church, let's read this last verse. It's verse 16 in Matthew 20. It says, so the last will be first and the first will be last. And I have, I am firm belief that this is the one, of, one of the most miscommunicated verses in the Bible. Throughout my, throughout my entire life, whenever I, I read this, I saw a line of people, right? Anybody else here have seen that line? Like, you said, the first should be last, the last should be first. And maybe you guys have seen that same exact line. And we, we picture the line, and we see the first person in the line, and it's naturally us, you know? And then it's like, we think, that we think of the verse. Okay, the first, the first shall be last, and the last should be first. It's like, okay, I'm first. Whoa, that means I'm going to be last, so then I got I to gotta get last so that I can be first. And we, we push and we shove and we do what we can. We make this big fuss about like, no, please, you go ahead. No, you go first. No, please, no, after you. And we, we push ourselves all the way to the back. And we're like, oh, no, it's okay. I'll be last. And we develop this false sense of humility. It's a complete false sense of humility because we're, we're trying to get back. <laughs> Stop preaching my message. We're trying to get back because we're trying to gain something from being last. We feel that because we're last, we have something to gain. Yeah. That is the opposite of humility. That's, that, that is, the fear miss. You know, you shoot, you miss, like you missed. The target's that way. We shot that way. It is the complete opposite. We're missing, we're missing the whole message here. It says, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And this isn't a response who showed up first. You know, this, this is a response to the laborers being more concerned about their own gain rather than the victory of the laborers who showed up last to the party. See, church, this is not about, let me just make sure that I'm the last person to show up. Let me just make sure I'm last in line. No, I'll fall in the back. Now, I do this when, you know, I go and eat food because if I'm last to get food, like if we're doing like family style, I can take the most. You know what I mean? But that's the exact heart of what we're talking about here. I'm like, no, I'll go, I'll go last. Like, ladies go first. Like, to go first, but I'm only going last because I know that I can take the biggest bowl of food if I'm the last one to go because everyone else got food. How often do oh, we sit around a table and we take food and then your mom shows up and then she's like, where'd all the stuffing go? And like, all you have is stuffing on your plate. And then you're just like, oh man, take some of mine, you know? Like, no, it's 2020, you know? Um, <laughs> oh man. <sighs> this is it's not about... This is about priorities, church. It's about priorities. See, we need to get to a place where we think about others first and ourselves last. We need to get to a place where we think about the concerns and the needs of others before our own. This is something we call altruistic. What does that mean? It's essentially humility. Okay, Jamie, then why don't you just say humility? Because we take humility to, like I just explained, a dangerous level where we believe that we're supposed to become doormats. And just like walk all over us. And, may, and the, the, the bad side of, fault, of humility and the fact that we're trying to gain something is that sometimes we just think so low of ourselves because humility is, is, uh, is, is having a low, modest view of your importance. And it's like, okay, all right, I'll just, think of, I'll just think less of myself. It's like, no, Christ isn't telling us to think less of ourselves. There are some of us in here that struggle with pride and we do need to think less of ourselves, but not all of us need to think less of ourselves. No, he says we need to be concerned with the needs of others. That is, that is altruistic. It's a selfless concern for the well-being of others. And so the laborers are here, they've been here all day, right? And these guys, these laborers, they show up to receive their pay, right? And they see this group ahead of them, right, in line, see this group ahead of them in line, and they barely know them because they, they literally just got there an hour ago. Right? They don't know their names, they know nothing about these guys. And they 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 receive a they see that they receive a full day wages. And now I know what these what these laborers are thinking. They're like, man, did you see what he just gave them? Like that's what we were supposed to get. Like, can you imagine what we're gonna get when we get up there? Like this guy is generous. Like now they like generosity, you know, early on, they're probably thinking this. Then the next group gets up there and the landowner gives them a full day wages. You know, and now they're you know they're probably they're actually probably still, you know, on the 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 hype side of them getting a lot of money here. Because they're probably like, wow, sucks to be those people. Like, they worked a whole extra two hours, and they got the same amount of pay as the last people, you know? Like, they're probably like, they don't realize it yet, but then the next guys get up there, and the next group gets up there. And then they, then they get up there. And if they're paying attention, they probably already know what they're going to get. They're going to they're get a full day's wages. And so they get up there, and they go to receive the pay, and, and sure enough, they get the same amount as everybody else. They're upset feel rejected. I don't blame them. We worked all day. We deserve a greater reward. They feel leaving undervalued and shorthanded. But if they had the mindset of the kingdom of heaven, if they had a kingdom heaven mindset, they would have recognized the incredible victory for those who came in at the end of the day. See, we know a work day is nine to five. And at five o'clock, when, when the workday should be ending, when the sun should be going down, the landowner still went out to the marketplace and said, who can I find that's not doing anything? Who can I give a purpose to? Who can I bless today? When the work workday's coming to an end. And I don't know what the agreement was, whether they were into to sundown, maybe Sunday was six o'clock back then, but for us, it was, it was, for us it's, it's mainly five. And I don't know if the landowner kept his vineyards open an extra hour that day, so these guys could work and give them the opportunity to receive a blessing. I don't know all the circumstances. Jesus doesn't paint that, you know, black and white of a picture for us here in this parable. But the day was coming to close. The opportunity for a job was ending. The opportunity to find their purpose was, was closing. They would have had to go home without pay. They would have had to go home back to, maybe they were homeless, maybe they didn't have a job. They had, they had to go back and lay in their bed at night and think, man, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know who I am. The opportunity was closing. And we can look at this as a physical work day, or we could look at this maybe as, as the end of someone's life. And that window's closing, and they still don't know who they are. And they don't know what their purpose is, and they haven't found themselves in the position because to receive that reward. That window's closing, church. But yet, by the humility of the landowner, thinking that it's more important that others find their purpose than for my riches to be overflowing. Because clearly, this landowner has plenty of money where he can give some, some person who worked one hour full day's wages. You know what I mean? I'd love to find myself in that position. This landowner clearly isn't lacking for money, but he realizes and recognizes that it's more important that others find their purpose than for his riches to be overflowing. Because of the landowner, there was a reason to get excited. There was a reason to celebrate. And sometimes we need to put ourselves in their shoes. And not just assume that from wherever we are in life, our success or our failures, that someone's just receiving a handout. Jesus sums this up beautifully in Mark. Mark 9, 35. Sitting down, Jesus calls the 12 together. And he says, if anyone of you wants to be first, you must be last. The very last. And the servant of all. I don't know if any of you guys have ever gone out to eat, but I'm sure most of you have. When you go out to eat, someone comes up to your table and they're what's called a server, and they're there to serve you. They care about your needs. What do they ask you? Can I get you something to drink? It's like we just came in from this long journey. I would love a glass of water, you know? Like, this, guy is, this person is here, and he's concerned about your needs. What can I get you to drink? Can I get you some food, you know? Do you need an extra fork, you know? He's, he's there, and he, he's concerned about your needs. And Jesus is saying, listen, if you want to be first, you've got to be like that but to everybody, to all. You need to, cons- you need to think about the, con- the concerns of others, of everyone. Can you imagine if a server came to our table and was, and, and was more concerned about their needs? They would walk up and probably say something like, so just curious how much you guys are going to tip me, because that's probably going to f- how well I'm here hanging around with you guys. <laughs> yeah. If it's 20, I'll do a great job. If it's like 10, like, you know, so I won't bring out you know, your bread. Um, now. Servers, servers who are concerned about their own needs are terrible, and so we can't be concerned about our own needs. Are we concerned about the needs of others, or are we fixated on our own gain? Church, I'm looking to close here, but I want to focus in on the landowner in this parable. So let's jump all the way back to verse 1, where it says, It says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who provided a purpose. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who embraced generosity. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who was concerned. for Church, we are called to be generous. We are called to put others first. And when given the opportunity, we are called to lead others to their purpose that God has called them in. Church, this is, this is the picture of discipleship. This is, this is the command that Christ has commanded to all of us. Matthew, Matthew 28, it says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them and to obey everything I have commanded you. In church, what we can't do here is get caught up in the physical elements of this parable. We can't disqualify ourselves because we don't feel that we associate with the landowner. You know, maybe we don't associate with the physical position of the landowner. Maybe we think to ourselves, well, I don't have the title as a landowner. Church, this is a parable. It is an artistic story. We are not to relate to the physical title of the landowner, but his character. It has nothing to do with wealth or gain. It has to do with the fact that the landowner embraced generosity has to do with the fact that he clearly put the needs of of others before himself. And when we are walking and doing that, when when we are putting others' needs before our own, when we are being generous in all things, it is then that we can begin to disciple others. We know our purpose here. We learned it in Matthew. We know the big picture here. And we are able to disciple others because, again, just like we talked about that false humility, if we're discipling others just so that we get it, you know, a piece of the pie out of it, then we're discipling people for the wrong reason. And we need to be discipling people and leading them to the Lord for the sheer fact that at the end of the day, when that sun goes down, they may go to bed not knowing who they are or not know who Christ is. Yep. Come on. Listen, we don't need to know, we don't need to own any land. We just need to know the heart of God. And so the last thing I'd love for us to do this morning is take some time this week and reflect on Matthew twenty. Reflect on this parable. Read it. We'll study it. we we'll put ourselves in the shoes of the laborers. We put ourselves in the shoes of the landowner. And we ask ourselves, Who are we in this story? What season of life are we in? You know, are we the laborers who showed up first? Are we the laborers who showed up last? Are we the, the landowner with the opportunity to show others their purpose? And I would love for us to answer the question on the back of the Engage card. You know, who do I identify with from this parable? And really come to grips with it because it is in that moment where when we recognize where we're at that God will be able to give us the next piece of direction. And so maybe this morning you associate with the laborers who showed up last, and you are feeling lost and without a direction, just barely hanging on by little blessing here and a little blessing there. You don't know what your purpose is. That's okay. You're in the waiting season. And so what I want to encourage you to do, like we said, wait on God, open his word, read his promises, know who God says you are. Don't focus in on your circumstances. If David focused on the fact that he was in a cave, he would have said, I'm a caveman. But no, David was a king. But if he focused on his circumstances, he would have stayed in the cave a lot longer. So don't focus on your circumstances. Focus in on who God says you are. Open up Psalms. There's tons of promises in there. We read Psalm fifty seven earlier today, and what an amazing promise that our, our purpose is in the hands of God. Incredible. Maybe we maybe we associate with the laborers who showed up who showed up first and we're feeling underappreciated, undervalued, that somehow somebody else is getting better blessings than us. The call for us this morning in that that season is to remember. Remember the kingdom of heaven. Remember the plan of the kingdom of heaven. It says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Remember that we were once those laborers. We were once those laborers who woke up and didn't have a purpose. We were once those laborers that woke up and didn't have a job. We didn't know where we were going. We've all been in that situation. We've all been in that season. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who embraced generosity but the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who is concerned for the needs of others. And when the opportunity comes, but the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who provided a purpose. And church, lastly, you may feel that you are the landowner. You are in that position. You, are, you, you understand the purpose of the kingdom of heaven. And you feel that it is your time to lead others to their purpose. You're ready to take on the battle of discipleship then take the command of Matthew 28 and go, therefore, and make disciples. Go. This is a command to go. It's, it's a call to action. This isn't sit back and relax and don't worry. I'll bring unsaved people to you. I'll bring people who don't have a purpose to you. No, it says, go, therefore. Church, we read it in verse 1 here. It was the landowner who gets up first early in the morning and goes to the marketplace. Yes, there's going to always be people waiting in the marketplace. But it was the landowner who got up early first and went to the marketplace, and found people who needed a purpose. Sometimes we have to be the ones to initiate the work in order for others to walk in the work that God has called them to. Church, I am just so blessed to have shared this message with you you all this morning. I encourage you, take Matthew 20 and read it and reflect on it. There is so much, so much wisdom and truth that we can take from this one parable. And uh, thank you so much for hearing my heart this morning. Thank you for your time. Um, I just want to close this in prayer and uh, if you're all just bow our heads. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this message. God, we thank you for um, the, all, the, all the input that you have shared into our heart, God. Lord, whatever we take home this morning, Lord, I pray that that you would give us the next step. You would reveal the next the next direction for us, God. Lord, if we're feeling that we're lacking a purpose, God, Lord, I pray that you would help us to identify with you who we are. God, and Lord, I feel, I pray that if, if we're feeling that, that so much is happening around us and that we're just, you know, everyone's getting ahead of us, Lord, I pray that we would remember that, that you have blessed us, God. Yes. And that there is a purpose while we're here and there's a greater purpose than, than, than the, the little things we're seeing happen around us. The kingdom of heaven, God. And Lord, I pray that if we, if we, are the, if we feel that we are the landowner, God, Lord, I, I pray that you would give us the, the opportunity to go. Go, therefore, in, in ways that you can make possible to make disciples, Lord, and lead others to you. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for this message. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Pastor Matt.